Have you ever noticed that in our English language, right? Most of us, you know, all of us in here, we, well, just about all of us, we all speak English as our, some of us, most of us is our first language, others your second language, or maybe it's your third. But quite, what's funny with this English language is that we use the same word, spelt the same for many other things, right? Like, this, like the word love. Like the word love, like, you know, I love KFC. Anybody else love KFC? Right? Right, Kai for Christians, that's, that's right, Kai for Christians. So I love KFC, but I also use the same word love when I'm talking about my family, right? I love my wife, I love my kids, and I love my grandkids. That's right, I've got grandkids. You, if you're sitting there thinking, wow, you're too young to have grandkids, and I said, well, that's what I said to my son. But anyway, <laughs> never gets old. Okay, so... So here's this word love. So I love my wife, I love my kids, I love my grandkids, and I also love rugby, right? I can't wait till Super Rugby starts, and I'm a big fan of Roger Tuovasa Sheik, and I used to be a big fan of him when he played for the NRL and Rugby League, and now he's over here, so I'm really interested to see what he's going to do. Um, is he going to go well, or is he going to fail? Wait and see, right? But here's the thing, is this, this word love, and if I mean if I mean the same with this word love and all these other scenarios, if it's the same word, if I mean the same thing when it comes to my food, when it comes to loving my family, and when it comes to loving sport, if it means the same, then I've got issues, right? I have issues. If you're looking for a, a title for my message today, it is, what's love got to do with it? <clears throat> what's love got to do with it, right? What's love got to do with it? I mean... What's love but a second-hand emotion, right? Who needs a heart when a heart can be broken? Now, I feel like I need to write a song. Actually, now, if you're wondering where that came from, that's just that's Tina Turner. Any Tina Turner fans in here? Yeah, yeah okay, anyway. <laughs> that's right. It's way back. My mum. My, 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 no, okay, I'll just keep carrying on. Keep going. Uh, but it's no wonder that for most people, we don't know what this word love means because love in our language means so many different things. Right, you see a young relationship, when you see young people in a relationship, what do they say to each other? I love you. No, no, I love you. No, I love you. No, I love, no, you don't love each other, you just got your hormones just on overdrive, right? Right? Because, because we use this word love like, you know, I love you, I love, I love toast. Yeah, yeah, I love toast. Yeah, I love Star Wars, you know, and it's this word love. What does this love mean? No wonder we don't know what it means in, in our culture. And if, if my marriage is based on happiness, but not on love, and if I mix those, if I mix happiness and love together, then I've got issues for my marriage, because I didn't marry my wife so she can make me happy. Because if I mix these words, if I think happiness is love, then the moment that I don't have happiness in my marriage, I want a divorce. Because happiness is based upon happenings. But what's love got to do with it? What's love? What's love got to do with it? And so what we've got to do is uh, we've got to dismantle what this word actually means. And especially when you become a follower of Jesus, and, this, and when you become a follower of Jesus, Jesus, is, is, he just talks about love, right? He, he's just, a, you know, love God, love people as yourself, and he's just talking about love your enemies. It's like love those who persecute you. And I was going, he said, he talks about love. And so what does this word mean, love mean? Because what we do, we take our understanding of what love is, and we just import it into the Bible because we think we know what it means. But, but, but we bring the wrong meaning to what I mean. So what we're going to do is dismantle it. What does the Bible say love is? What is love? What's love got to do with it? Well, love according to the teachings of Jesus 
primarily refers to actions and behavior. Right? It's not just a feeling. Well, you know, I'm, I'm feeling, you know, it's not based on feelings. We base our love on feelings. Oh, I feel love towards them. Here's the thing. Our feelings towards people change. Right? Like sometimes my feeling for my kids is great one day. My feelings might change the next day, depending on what. So my love is not based upon my feelings. If it was, then I would love them one day and not, and not the other, especially when they become rat bags. Anybody have, know what I'm talking about here? Right? With, with kids? So feelings primarily, so love, according to Jesus, primarily refers to actions or behavior. Love is something you do to people. Love is an action word. It's an action word. It, it, it's something we do for people, even when we don't feel like it, we do it anyway, right? Sometimes I don't feel like uh, feeding my children, <laughs> but I do it anyway, okay? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, anyway, carry on. I've got issues, okay? Here we go. But this is love, and, and it's very different. Love is, well, with Jesus, when you read Jesus, is very, very different to what our culture outside, out there or society says love is. Love is others' focus. And the word that Jesus used to describe love, because in Hebrew there's four different words for love to, to describe different things. Right? We just say love, they have different things. And the word that Jesus is using is agape love. Everyone say agape. agape. Okay. When you read it, it looks like agape. But it's agape, agape, and this word agape—it's a—it's—it's it's a doing word. It's—it's—it's—it's—it's it, it's, 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 it's something we do for people. It's outward focus. And the paradox of love is that the more I give out, the more I truly become human. Right? Because for many of us, it's all about protecting me, myself, and I. But for love, is love is about giving out of of who I am. And the, and this is the paradox of love: the more I give out of who I am the more I truly become human. I really do. And one of the most beautiful exposition on what it means to love anywhere in literature, whether it's religious or whether it's secular, the most beautiful exposition of what it means to love is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Many of us are familiar with 1, 1 Corinthians 13 because it's read often in weddings. And marriages, right? Because why? Because it's all about love. But when the Apostle Paul penned this amazing passage that we now, what we call 1 Corinthians chapter 13, when he penned this amazing passage, he, he wasn't thinking about marriage. He didn't have this in mind. When he wrote it, he wrote it as part of a critique and a challenge to um, a network of house churches in the city of Corinth. Right, it was a critique, and it was a critique, and it was a challenge to this house, this, this network of house churches, because they had become more like the wild, wild west. This church, this this network of house churches, had, had become more like the wild, wild west. In fact, you know, uh, in, in, within this this network of house churches, people were suing each other. Right, Christians were suing one another. They they were angry with another. Broken relationships. In fact, there was a guy sleeping with his his mother-in-law. This is how, how, how serious things got with this, this church. In fact, their Sunday, their Sunday gatherings, when they gathered in their house, and so they, so they just think it was more like an like a, like a interactive home group, right? These, these houses. When they gathered uh, on a Sunday uh, for their love feast, well, someone would be sharing, and then all of a sudden, that person would get cut off because this person had a prophetic word, and then all of a sudden, start, someone starts speaking in tongues out of nowhere. It, it was like, it was chaos, it was chaotic, and it was, it was all over. It was disorder, it was disorder everywhere. So Paul begins to write and address 
these issues. And Paul's like, time out, time out. Come on. What you guys are doing on a Sunday, on these, on these Sunday gatherings, it's having the opposite effect because we are a community of love because Jesus loved us. And, this is, and we are supposed to reflect God's love to the world. So into this chaos, the Apostle Paul begins to pen, to pen this amazing passage. In, and it's 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We're just going to be looking at verse 4 to 8. And this is what he writes. Love is patient. Love is kind. It's not jealous. Love does not brag. It's not puffed up. It's not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrongs. Love does not delight in wrongdoing, but celebrates with the truth. It is always supportive. It, is all, it always trusts. It always hopes. Always perseveres. Love never fails. And honestly, if, the, if there was a, if when Paul wrote this and you read, this, this is a mic drop moment. It is like, this, this is a masterpiece of writing. And, and even me just saying, I don't need to add anything onto that. No wonder people, even people who aren't even religious, quote from this. It is incredible. But he, but he's not writing this for, 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 for the marriage day or wedding day. He's writing this to a, community, to a community that's not doing this. So he has to show them what, what, is, what love actually is. What does it mean when we say this word agape? Agape, what is love? What does it actually mean? And Paul begins to give 16 definitions or examples of what agape means in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And these are 16. What you see here behind me is 16 definitions, 16 examples of what agape love is. This is what it is. In fact, the first two examples that Paul gives, which is a Jesus-style love, this is Jesus-style love. The first two is this. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is something that gives time, right? See, if I'm not willing to give time, my expectation then is that everyone works on my timeline, right? Well, that's not love. Love is that I give time. It's not like, well, you know what? I'm not going to give time. You work on my timeline. You do things when I'm ready. Well, Paul says, well, that's not love because that's the inability to give time. Love is you give time. You give your time to serve and to love one another. But then Paul pairs, pairs this love is patient with love is kind. In fact, it's a word in his language that means sweetness or pleasantness. Sweetness or pleasantness. It's, it's, kindness is about a kind of atmosphere that surrounds me. What kind of atmosphere surrounds you, right? When people come into your into your space, get into your personal space, get past that social distancing. <laughs> when they come into your space, what do they sense? Do they sense welcome? Do they sense warm-hearted love? Hey, you're, you're, what do they sense? Or do they sense, who do you think you are? You're not welcome in my space, right? 
And that's what Paul does. He, he, he pairs these together. He pairs like it's about giving, giving time. It's giving of yourself, putting others first. But at the same time, when you, in the, when you give of yourself, what comes out of you is welcome and love and, and, and warmth and gentleness. This is what love is. Then Paul goes on to give us eight examples of what love is not. Sometimes in order to, to describe something, you've got to describe what it's not. And so he gives us eight examples. And the first one is, love is not jealous. Love is not jealous. Anybody say amen? I just wondering if anybody was going to say it. I'm not going to say that. <laughs> love is not jealous. Love is this capacity to be happy and to experience the joy at the good fortune of another. Right? When something good is happening in someone else's life, you're like, man, you, you are filled with joy. Even when it's not happening in your life. You, you understand what I'm talking about here? When someone else is being blessed, you're being praying, Lord, bless me. They're getting blessed, but not you. Love is like, I'm going to rejoice that you're being blessed. I'm going to rejoice that you got that breakthrough. I might not have a breakthrough right now. I might be still in my mess, but I'm going to rejoice. That's what Paul means by agape love. That love is not jealous. Love does not brag. It's not puffed up. It's not rude. Right? It's bragging. We know what, I mean. we know what bragging means. It's constantly talking about yourself. Do you know somebody who constantly talks about themselves? You know? Don't, don't point any fingers. Okay? And, and don't point towards me. Okay, here, here, here we go. <laughs> it's, it's someone who constantly talks about themselves. And, and Paul connects bragging with this metaphor, this metaphor puffed up, puffed up, right? He connects with this metaphor. It's, what, what's puffed up? It's this, this word puffed up. It's, it's like inflating when you blow into a balloon. It's, it's self-inflating, self-inflating. When you think you are more important than everybody else, Right? You've got to be careful because that mindset will manifest a behavior that Paul calls rude. When you're puffed up, when you think you're more important than everyone else. You just talk about yourself. What I'm doing and, and, and what I'm doing and who I am, I'm more important than you. So I'm going to ignore you. I, I, I'm going to, and that's Paul says, that, that's being rude. Do you, do you know anybody like that who just walks around and they think they're more important and it's like, well, I've got an idea. Well, yours doesn't really matter. And, and, next, well, and, and, and Paul said, well, that's just being rude. And you've got to be careful because we can betray and, and we, can, we can have this, we don't, we're, not smell, we're not sweetness anymore, but we're just like, that guy is nasty. The next three, are, I love this, the next three are connected. They're kind of connected together. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrong, Right? This is somebody that, this is somebody that you, you have to walk around on eggshells around. Do you know what I'm talking about? Do you, do you know those kind of people? Anybody know those kind of people? Does anybody work with those kind of people? You just, you just have to walk on eggshells around them, right? Or, or maybe you're that person, <laughs> okay, right? Because here's the thing. You discover what this person values is when they get angry at you, right? You just got to walk on eggshells. And they just get angry. And you, and you just got to be careful. You just, you just got to be careful because, you know, sometimes I see people, they get angry at their kids because they interrupted them while they're, while they're on their phone or while they're playing Xbox. The kid interrupts them. Because, and why? Because the kid was trying to get their attention. 
Have you ever, has anybody ever interrupted you and you're like, can't you see what I'm doing? I'm checking Facebook right now. <laughs> Can you see what I'm doing? I'm, I'm about to, to, um, to take the next level on this game. Or whatever it is, you, we see that, and they're just trying to get your attention. And because why? Because, because what makes you angry is a good indicator of what you value, of what you value. So when you find yourself getting upset about something, it's a good indicator of what you value. And some of us need to reassess what we value. What do you value? What is it about you that, that you just get irritated about? Right? Because that's what you value. If you're getting irritated because you're on the phone, you're valuing your phone. You're valuing the Xbox. You're valuing your career over your... What is it that irritates you? Because, oh, you know, what is it? We just got to be careful because it's, it's, a, it's a good issue. And here's the thing. <clears throat> when, you, when, when you're self-seeking, you're easily angered. This is what happens when someone violates... When, you, when someone violates what you value, this is how bitterness comes in. You're now bitter, and now you hold a grudge against that person. How they, come, they just violated what I think is important. I, you know, they, they disagreed with my idea. They, they disagreed for the way I did things. How dare they? They violated something that's important to me. They violated, therefore, you know, uh, therefore, you know, I'm going to, you know, and we hold grudges. And this, is what the, this is what Paul means. Uh, agape love, love, it's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. Then Paul rounds out the eight negative definition with this. Love does not delight in wrongdoing, but celebrates with the truth. And you're like, yes, I finally got one that I can tick off, right? You know, go, yes, I finally got one because, you know, I mean, I don't celebrate Tonga, Tonga, the, 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 I don't celebrate when that happened. So yes, I can tick that off. And you know what's really funny? The minute we do that, <laughs> the minute you do that, Paul's looking at you and he's like, you're just being punked. You're just being punked. Because here's the thing. We're very good at seeing everyone else's faults. We're very good at seeing everyone else's flaws except our own. And, 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 and uh, you're like, what do you mean? Well, has anybody ever, while you're driving, ever been cut off before? Anybody been cut off while driving? And then what do you think? You're, you're like, this blooming, whatever it is you say, this blooming sink just, just, just cut me off. This, oh, this person's impatient. It's so rude. How, how, oh, my goodness. Where do they get their license from? But you know what's really interesting? When you cut someone off, you're like, oh, sorry, I'm late. I've got, I've got to get to this. So sorry, I'm, I'm not really like this. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? No. <laughs> right? <laughs> I love this because what love, what love is able to do, what agape love is able to do, it replaces the magnifier glass that we use to examine people's flaws. and it's, It replaces that magnifying glass with a mirror. Right? What did Jesus say? <laughs> hey, before you look at someone else's speck in, the, in someone's eye, take the log out of your own with a mirror. And this is what agape love does. It shows us truth. And what does truth do? It exposes all the wrongdoings inside of me. And it's this truth that sets us free. Now, that's worth celebrating. That's worth celebrating. 
Come on, when, I, when I'm able to recognize what I need to deal with, when I'm able to see what's really going on, stop looking at everyone else, right? And you go, oh, look at them, look at that gossiper over there. Look, that person, just, they just gossip all the time. And then you get to prayer meeting, hey, we need to pray about so-and-so because this is what's happening. So I'm just telling you so we can pray. Let us pray. You know? We're so, we've got reasons. We're good at coming up with reasons why, why what we're doing is not wrong. But truth exposes. Truth sets us free. And this is how Paul rounds it all up. He says, love is always supportive. It always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And if love is truly others' focus, then when someone around me is going through a hard time, then I will be a stable support for them, right? Rather than treating them like they've got the plague. That I'm going to be there for them. It always trusts, even though this relationship is tough at the moment. I trust that Jesus can do something within this person, that Jesus can do something within my life and my attitude. Love always hopes for the best, even if they hurt me. It doesn't mean that I spend all my time around them, but it does mean that I make an effort to understand them, to understand their point of view. Is there something? I was just talking to, to a friend, and they had a problem neighbor, right? And the neighbor's always yelling out their dog, banging the fence, Right, someone knows what I'm talking about over here. And uh, they go, that guy's always angry. He goes, well, maybe. And then they were just talking about it. Then they said, well, maybe something's happened in his life to get him to this. That they hate, he now hates dogs. <laughs> it's about understanding someone else's point of view, right? For any meaningful relationships to grow and be healthy, there will be setbacks and there will be challenges. There'll be setbacks and challenges in your marriage. There'll be setbacks and challenges and in, in meaningful relationships in your life. There will be, but love never fails. It never fails. So here are 16 ways that I've failed in the last seven days. <laughs> here it is. Can we just put all, the, the, all those verses up, right? He's, these are 16 ways that I failed this week. So what does this mean for us? It means that love celebrates the truth because there's something to acknowledge about my failure that I can look at the mirror and say, oh man, yeah, that's right. I need to deal with love. Love is able to be a spotlight on all my wrongdoings and flaws and failures. And that's the paradox of following Jesus, isn't it? Because it reveals our weakness and it humbles us. Because love reveals the truth of who I really am. Love reveals the truth of who I really am. And the sooner I see that, the sooner that I can deal with it. And that's when I find freedom. So we're going to read this passage one last time. Let's read it through. But this is what I want you to do. This is what we can do. I want you to replace the word love or references to the words love with your own name. And the next time you get angry at your partner, angry at a friend, a parent, or whatever, you get angry at them, I want you to open up, this, open up your Bible app, open up your Bible, and read this and replace your name. Because let, let me tell you, when you do that, all of a sudden you begin to see, you can see where you're failing. 
So let's read. I'm going to put my name. I'm going to use my whole name so I don't feel too weirded up when I say this. But as I say my name, I want you to re- replace it in your, in your mind with your name. Anthony is patient. Anthony is kind. Anthony is not jealous. Anthony does not brag. He's not puffed up. He's not rude. Anthony is not self-seeking. Anthony is not easily angered. Anthony keeps no record of wrongs. Because Anthony doesn't delight in the wrongdoings, but celebrates with the truth. Anthony is always supportive, always trusts. He always hopes, always perseveres. Anthony never fails. And when you read that out loud and you put your name in, I don't know about you, but it humbles me. It really does. It's the mirror. Because love reveals the truth of who I really am. I just want to end with this story. A businessman rode a train home from work one day, and in the same carriage with him was, was a father with, with two of his young sons. And he's sitting down, and these boys, oh my goodness, they're jumping up and down, they're yelling, they're fighting each other, they're jumping from chair to chair to chair, and he's thinking, and this businessman is just looking at the dad. The dad's just staring out the window, like doing nothing. You, 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 you ever meet those kind of people? Just doing nothing. You ever see that? And, and the businessman's got his arms crossed, and, and, he, and he says to himself, I've had a hard day's work. I deserve some peace. I, I, oh my goodness. What a terrible dad this guy is. What kind of father is this? And then he says very, very harshly to the dad, control your children. And the, and the dad is like, it's like he snaps out of, like he's in a trance. And he, and he just comes up and he whispers quietly to the man. And he says, I'm, I, I, I'm so sorry. So, I'm so sorry. So sorry for the behavior. We're on the way to the hospital. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to tell my boys that their mother has just died. And the businessman looked at him and he said, look, I'm I'm sorry. Your boys are fine. Take all the time you need. We need to understand before we judge. Isn't it so easy for us to judge? We see people out in public. We see someone yelling, the neighbors yelling at each other. Someone at the sh- on the corner holding a sign, I need food, I need whatever. Isn't it, so easy? Isn't it really easy for us to judge? Like, oh, this is a scam, whatever. Without even understanding that person. Love reveals the truth of who I really am. And I encourage you, let's start off 2022 with agape love. So where did... Paul gets his, get his definition of love. Whose life defines love for Paul? Yeshua. Jesus. And Paul will go on to pen in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, and many other places. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. How do we know God loves us? Because he became flesh and he gave up himself for you. That's how we know God loves us. 
Love reveals the truth of who I really am. Come on, let us pray.